drive, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top, bang, bang. This the This time I'm sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. You I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courtside to CourtsideHeat.com. We're back, and we're back with another podcast episode. It's It's been a while. It's been a while. Obviously, we're back. Um, we're back from vacation. Well, um, I'm back from vacation, and I'm just ready to get back into the swing of things. It's been weird not working on Quartz Heat or just like checking in with the NBA. Like, of course, I've seen like the big stuff of Aaron Gordon. I've seen all of the different things with the um in season tournament considerations, different topics like that coming up. But the trip, oh. The trip that I made, like, to Florida and whatnot, was nice from the perspective of, like, I did nothing, like, work-related, but it was nice. But you know what's also nicer? Getting back into the flow, and that is getting back into the podcast, because we have so much to talk about. We have a brand new series. We have all these new announcements. We're going to get to that within the next few minutes, but we're here. And before we talk about anything else, before we get to the announcement, let me just say this. Social media is going to be jamming again. It's going to be going crazy again. We are only a month and like three days away from tip-off from the first game of the regular season. And with that being said, we're back. We're going to go cranking it up on social media again. Post on Instagram three times a day. Going on Twitter again. Keeping it going on Facebook. Keep it going everywhere. But where can you find us? Because it's not always just courts of heat. So here are, the, here are the handles that you need to be looking up on your favorite social media platforms. Whether that is Instagram Tumblr, Twitter, or whatever it may be. So let's just jump right into it. First one is Instagram.com slash courtside heat NBA. That is courtside heat NBA. Then we have Twitter.com slash courtside heat. That is courtside heat for Twitter. The same will follow with Facebook. Facebook.com slash courtside heat. And then we have tumblr.com slash courtside heat. Then we have courtsideheat.medium.com. That is courtsideheat.medium.com. And of course, we have the big mamma jamma. We have the big one, the mothership out of them all. And that is courtsideheat.com. Uh, pardon me right there, but that is courtsideheat.com. We're posting there again. We're getting all back up. Like I said, vacation. We had a nice two-week recovery after food poisoning. Vacation. It's nice to reset the barracks and jump right back into it to our day-to-day podcast. And this is our daily podcast, and this is where we're at. As always, as you're probably listening to this podcast, 
whether you're on one of the streaming platforms like YouTube, we're going to get to that in a second, but you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcast, and even Spotify, as we're going to be branching out to many more major streaming platforms like iHeartRadio. I'm going to see if we get ourselves on Amazon Music or whatever that place is where you get podcasts there. I'm not too sure. But we're going to be cranking it all out. We're going to be like, I don't know what the right word is, but going all out, going all out, making sure that you guys are able to get your podcast wherever you get it from. Whether that be Apple, whether that be Google, whether that be Amazon, whether that be Spotify, whether that be anything. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump into the announcements real quick. And then after that, we'll get into the main podcast, the main meal, what we really wanted to come here for. So yeah, let's jump right into that. Okay, so... Many things are going to be happening, especially with the podcast. As you guys may have known from everyone that listened to um, last Wednesday's, Wednesday's podcast episode, or yeah, Wednesday's podcast episode when it came out and whatnot, and I was talking about me going on vacation, I would come back the following Wednesday, Thursday and say, look, we're back, this is what we're doing and whatnot. Going bigger than ever, bringing new series into the podcast. I also want to say that you probably know something different, and that's with the intro. We are redoing everything on the podcast, making it more enhanced, professional would be a good word, and just more up to date with the current uh, climate that podcast are in right now so we're trying to fine-tune our side of the podcast give you guys a better experience and that's going to kick off with an intro um introduction like an intro to the podcast it's really cool we're updating it from our original one that we had from the last one on wednesday thursday all the way down to here so we're excited i'm excited today uh, excuse me to debut that and then secondly we are going to get this thing back on a youtube daily motion rumble we have relaxed on now way too long but it's not just going to be the basic um uh picture or logo just on like on the video we don't need to be doing that even though you can download our videos off of YouTube Premium, we want to bring in something edgier, and we're going to bring in a whole new way you can listen to our podcast when it comes on, like on YouTube, Rumble, uh, Daily Motion, all those different places. I was going to have really cool displays on the video, really cool integrations on the podcast, so if you're watching on video, you can see it. Like, uh, from a different angle, I don't know, I can't really describe it, but we're going to have all these different sides, we're going to have all these different uh, displays on the video, so you're just not looking at an image, because even after some time, that can get boring, plus, I think it would be nice to get back on YouTube, back on everything, and post every single day. 
And then, of course, we go down to the website side, and we're going to get that logo taken care of. I was mean to do that last week, but time ran out before the vacation, and I didn't feel like um, talking to someone for that logo and whatnot. Try to coordinate that while I'm down there in Orlando having some fun. And let me just say, I got some of the coolest merchandise from the Hogan Beach shop. I don't know. I got like this really cool NWO, the red and black. Then I got the original New World Order. Like right now, I have the one. Like who remembers? Bash at the Beach when Hogan came out. It was Hall and Nash against Sting and Randy Savage. And everyone was still trying to figure out who was the third man at New World Order. Hogan comes out and everybody is trying to figure out if Hogan's going to save the day, uh, save his uh, friends, or if he was the third man. And he came out and he gave Randy Savage the big leg drop. The two, uh, Hall and Nash, came back to the ring. That was that. And he cut this epic promo. And it's one of the coolest uh, graphic tees. I have gone in a long time, and to give you a brief summary, a brief, like, description of that moment, it was, like, one of the most electrifying moments in WCW history, but it was also one of the most electrifying moments in Hogan's career in the 90s, in my opinion, but, yeah, I also got the Wolfpack shorts, really cool, but, yeah, I don't know how that came up. Yeah, I had tons of fun on Orlando and whatnot, so that's why. But getting back on track, again, um, updates to the site's going to continue to happen. Our membership page will be getting reworked. We'll be getting more enhanced to give you guys a better experience, but also to give you guys more amenities, more benefits for only paying $3 a month. We want to give you guys more, and that will come through our newsletter. That will come through our shops. That will come through our content and different things like that. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. But that's the whole gist of this. That's the whole idea of this. And that's just to announce a few things for the podcast. As we're just going to keep on improving on that. And same with the website. So yeah, without further ado, I think I covered the announcements, social media. I even gave a shout-out to the Hogan Beach Shop down in Orlando. Without further ado, I'm back. It feels weird to be doing a podcast from the perspective of I had some time off. I get I cut a nine-minute video or audio recording, but still, it feels weird. I'm ready to be doing these hour-to-hour, 30-minute podcast sessions again. And without further ado, let's get into it. And it's been a while, so the first topic we're going to start with is the breaking news. What's been happening recently? What happened yesterday? And it's all going to unfold right here. And we're going to start off with vaccinations. And some of you guys are for vaccinations. Some of you guys are not for vaccinations. Or some of you guys are educated upon the matter. Some of you guys are not. Either way, wherever you on that, it, it does not matter, as we're going to be talking about this, and your perspective that the NBA players 
will not be required to take the vaccine. However, referees and most NBA staff must be vaccinated. So, why does that matter? Well, A, because the COVID vaccine in majority of the world, but just going to talk about the United States quickly, real quick, have been centering their perspective on the fight against COVID-19 on this vaccine, on these antibodies that help ward off the fight off COVID. So now the NBA has taken a stance throughout the past two years, last year, right, on what they believe and what they want to promote. And there was always going to be a question, what will be mandatory, what will be required for these players, for these officials, for these staff, for everyone that's associated with the NBA, with this league. And to me, I was actually surprised when I heard that NBA players did not have to be vaccinated. But I have to ask a question, and I'm being legit serious here. Did LeBron James have a matter in this? Did he have a huge say in this? If anybody has been living on a rock or have not been turning on their TV station to political channels to any channel like the NBA or whatnot, you would know you you may or may not know how active LeBron James is on social media with his brand, with his image, with his basketball stats with his um personal stats with everything right and he, with all of his stances he may have had a huge role in the vaccine because uh my father and I were talking about one night and I've said LeBron James is a very smart man he t- he looks out for his body there was like something that report came out that he puts a million dollars per year in his body to make sure that he's top notch, he's ready to go, which is very smart, brilliant man. I don't know how many men in the NBA have done that or has been currently doing that, right? But so it comes into a play like, what, what would that mean if you put a vaccine into his body or anyone's body? Could he, could he have had those thoughts lingering in his head like, if I put this in my body? Will I experience any side effects? We could have seen um, different side effects that were within men with the heart inflammation or with just being out for several weeks to have actually worsened people, right? And there's all these different reports, studies, all these different cases that have went for and against uh, the COVID vaccine. So... As an educated person, as a person that wants to decide, look, what what will it take to beat COVID-19, but also not be harmful with this um with in, with this injection to my body to protect myself. Am I really protecting myself? So when I see this, that the NBA player associations like um yeah, no, we're not gonna mandatory this, we're not gonna mandate this. The NBA players will not be getting the vaccine or required to, so it's up to their choice. It's a free choice, and we'll be fine with whatever decision they make. 
And my whole point is, is if LeBron had the biggest say in this, because, and I don't want to go down this, uh, this road, I'm not going to point this out for sure, because I don't know for sure, but this is just a fear that I have, it's that, have you ever seen LeBron James endorse a vaccine? How's he? He never publicly said, unless I missed something, but I'm just going to say, he never publicly came out and said, I'm vaccinated or go get the vaccine. He was there for voting when the 2020 presidential election was going on. He has strong voice in that, but not the vaccine. And I'm not saying that the man had, I'm not saying anything when it comes to LeBron and his choices on what he wanted to say and what he did say, right? All I'm saying is that he never once got um any endorsements from, like, for finding the CDC hospitals, anything like that, to endorse the COVID-19 vaccine, to endorse the fight against COVID. Not, I don't think not even on social media pages or mailing on Twitter or Instagram, right? So to me, I find it interesting. He's one of the most influential basketball players that have actually controlled the NBA. And on this matter to say, hey, NBA players are not going to be vaccinated. That's that. I think it actually brings in something important. I think the biggest voice in the room, the biggest man in the room, LeBron James had something to do with that. Could I be right? Could I be wrong? I don't know. All I'm saying is that it's interesting. He's never once endorsed it. He's never once came out publicly to say I'm vaccinated or I'm not vaccinated. That status, to my knowledge, is unknown. And that could have been a major role because if... because. It's like one of the things like to where if you mand if you mandate it, that means you have to be a part of it. Unless they're gonna give you special treatment, and I'm talking about any NBA player, that would be interesting. But to say nothing than being the biggest influential basketball player to this current date, to not have a COVID nineteen mandate is something really, really interesting. And I'm not saying this is an entire conspiracy over here or a theory of any sort. All I'm saying is that it's interesting to see that, well, there's no mandate for the NBA players. LeBron's never came out publicly to say that whether he's vaccinated or not, maybe he did have a role in this. Maybe there was a lot of players in the NBA that weren't comfortable taking an unknown injection into your body and you believe that backed by science that once you've gone COVID or have taken the CDC guidelines that you can protect yourself against COVID, right? Maybe they assessed that part when during the bubble when it was really high and whatnot, when they were going contact on contact, mask was on the court. I don't know. All I know is that. And I hope that all made sense right there what I just laid. But that's what I'm thinking right there. I think a bunch of players, including LeBron, to my knowledge, said, look, I I don't think we should be doing this. I don't want to put this in my body. I don't think you guys want to put this in your body. We don't we know the side effects and will we really want to jeopardize our bodies, 
our physical play, our overall play, our statistics, and our team wins just because of something mandated. So I just thought that was interesting. And I like to know your guys' opinions on that because it would be really interesting where we all stand. Not on if vaccines should be mandatory or not, but on the premise of how interesting it was that the NBA is not uh, mandating vaccines for NBA players, but only for most NBA staff, uh, for staff members and officiating crews. So I just thought that was interesting. So hit us up on social media, or if you want to email us, it's on our Instagram page. You can either text me, or you can text uh, the court's heat number, or you can text court's heat email. Either way, I check that thing like a hawk, and trust me, uh, my like like I guess you call neurosis. You just have to check every single thing, every single minute. So if you send something in. Good enough chance I've read it already and probably responded. Unless I forgot it. Oh, and that's very likely of me because I forget a lot of things then. There we go too. But either way, text us your thoughts. Email us your thoughts. Um, just to, uh, add us on social media, on your pages, on comments, whatever. We love to know your input on this because this is a really cool topic. It's like one of the most like attention grabbers. But I just thought it was something interesting when talking about it today and just letting it mull over my brain uh, when the news first came out. But moving on to another thing that does not have to deal, uh, that's not to deal with vaccines or regard the fight against COVID-19, and it would be this, Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon has received criticism by fans and actual praise by fans by getting this new contract, and it's the fact that Aaron Gordon resigned with the Denver Nuggets as he's going to be staying with them on a four-year deal worth $92 million. Not bad. And people are bashing on him for saying, wow, he got his huge contract, a $92 million contract for four years for making 12 points per game. Now... He did get traded during the season, um, right on the trade deadline. So when he got traded from Orlando to Denver, that wasn't a full season. That wasn't like a full 40 games. That wasn't even like anything for him. And then the Denver Nuggets had their own issues. But the thing is, is that Aaron Gordon has some good moments in the NBA playoffs. But just imagine uh, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Jokic, Gordon, and Compazzo, and Barton. That's a pretty good five. That's a good starting five, or that's a good overall five. To me, that's not bad. I would pay Aaron Gordon that kind of money. Why? Because he's an athletic big man. He's huge in size, physical, brings physicality, Brings the mental toughness, has speed, has the hops for days. He has everything, and he has good characteristics and characteristics and attributes to that Denver team that makes them more uh, lethal in the Western Conference, right? It was the Western Conference, yeah, Western Conference, yeah, I got it right. <laughs> but 
I like that deal. So while people are bashing on it or not 100% committed to it and raising some eyebrows, when that first came out, I had to think back on it. But now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, you know what? If he's putting 12 to 15 points a game, Murray has 25 points a game, and Yoki just putting up 28 and 10 per game. And then you have all the bench players. If Bartain, you have Composo, who hit good freeze during the postseason. And against the Phoenix Suns, even though it wasn't much of a series, he still has some good moments in the postseason and the regular season. I'm telling you, that's going to be a scary, scary team. And that's something that the Northwest West Division, the entire Western Conference, has to take note. Because... The Nuggets are growing, and they're adapting, and they're enhancing their abilities, and making sure they're staying up to date, and that they will not fail. So that's going to be something very, very interesting to keep an eye on. And to me, that could be the most interesting thing for the Denver Nuggets. That's going to have to be something that you watch, because it's like, we paid the money, now we must cash in on that and return the favor. We gave him something. Now he's got to give something in return. And I kind of, I kind of like that deal. Again, text us. Email your, us your thoughts. We'll have the number down below. We'll have the email down below. Oh, uh, the podcast. But I like that. I just really do. I don't want to belabor the point here, but Aaron Gordon was great for Orlando. Orlando wasn't a good fit for him. But he made it work, and he did what he had to do. And let's just admit it. It worked out perfectly. But yeah, four-year, $92 million contract. I would do that all day with someone of the likes of Aaron Gordon. His really good abilities on the court and in the locker room as things go. But here's the thing. Not all things work out. And you always see teams and players like fall out. Like Ben Simmons and the 76ers. Like Scottie Pippen and the Chicago Bulls. Like, um, who, who else could be a good example? Oh yeah, Kevin Durant, all the teams he played on. Like you have all these different players. You have the ups and downs. You have the bad blood in the locker room, like Shaq and Kobe, even though they made amends in the future. You've had great successes. But you know what? Even after a season, some teams aren't worth it with players, and some players aren't worth it with the team. John Wall and the Rockets made really, really good examples of that. As John Wall and the Rockets have agreed to a trade search after one season in Houston. Who remembered that trade? Who remembered him going down to Houston? And then we saw him play for the first time in two years after bowing back from injuries. He was there with the Wash he was there with the Washington Wizards. He they got Russell Westbrook in return. And now look at that. After one failed season, they're going to try to move on from him. It just did not work with Christian Wood and Eric Gordon's team. It didn't work with that. Uh, and to be honest, I don't think it was going to work out. 
John Wall is good, don't get me wrong, but it's not the biggest thing in the world for them to get rid of him because right now they're in rebuild mode. So for them to be in rebuild mode, they really have no one besides Christian Wood. Kevin Porter Jr. is a headache. Um, Eric Gordon's okay. Like, I want to build a team around him in his starting five, right? You have all these different pieces. You do have Jalen Green. Let me make sure what's Jalen Green. Hold up. <laughs> oh, why am I doing this to myself? But you guys get where I'm going. And I'm having it right now. Yeah, Jalen Green. So, Christian Wood and Jalen Green. Two solid players. If Jalen Green panned out in his first, second year, that's huge. That's what the team needs. So, Christian Wood. Jalen Green, perfect. John Wall and the Rockets have agreed to a search, but get this. They're not going to give up a first-rounder in a trade that includes John Wall, and they're not going to agree to a buyout until next year's free agency, until next year's offseason, which is very interesting. So, like Andre Drummond, like all these different guys, you're not going to be able to get the cheap way out. You're not going to be able to get the contract buyout to go put the highest market team, the biggest market team, right? That's just not going to work that way. And it's not going to be, if we can't find a trade, you are going to be stuck with us. And that's the mentality that the Rockets have. And for them to agree to a trade search, that means that either means two things. They wanted him here, but they just really knew his frustrations and knew that he didn't really want to commit to Houston. Or they really didn't have any plans for him. They were waiting for him to want to leave. Right? They they would use him if they have him. But if they didn't have them, they'll be fine. That makes sense. So for me, losing John Wall is not bad, especially for the Rockets. They're in a rebuild mode right now. They have lost many good pieces and they've lost many bad pieces. And now they're here. They did well in the draft. Again, Jalen Green was perfect. Like we all knew it was going to happen. They, tr- they At one point, they're going to try to get Evan Mobley, but then they're like, look, Jalen Green. That's who we're gonna get. That's who we that's who we want to get. And then you have Christian Wood. We knew what happened to that. He exploded. The Rockets had a derailing season due to the injuries. When Christian Wood was out for twenty plus games, we saw the Rockets going for a twenty two somewhere on their uh game losing streak. And that knocked them out of Poff contention and they had somewhat of a chance for the playing tournament, but a very small chance to say the to say the least. But overall, we can all tell the frustration John Wall is having and both sides were having. And to me, losing John Wall wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Even though he did average twenty points in forty games and for that to be the first time he comes back, that's not bad in thirty two minutes. Like there's some pros and cons to having him and then losing him, essentially, if, the trade, if they do find a trade for him. Pierce also saying I want to point out, whoever gets John Wall is going to be a team that needs his talent, and are going to need a team that he has to fit and commit to that team. 
It just can't be like a one-year thing because Learnjet's not going to ask for anything below his asking price, especially come back after two years, and he puts up 20 points per game in 40 games. Right, so it's like one of the things you have to find the best suitor. But to me, that's fine if you want to depart. The Rockets are not in a win-now mentality. They're in a rebuild-now mentality because it's not like you go out there and only have Jalen Green and Christian Wood try to compete for the playoffs or compete for over about 500 season, right? It's just not going to work that way. It's just not. And it's going to be very, very interesting how everything plays out. But that's where we're at right now, and that's the John Wall situation. So some players and teams work out, some don't. You can have guys for 20 years like Dirk, you can have guys like Bird. You can have guys like Kobe. You can have guys like Jordan commit to one team, and that's it. You guys can have whomever, and and you can have guys that don't work out, like John Wall with the Houston Rockets, or oh, I'm trying to say another guy, or or basically of anyone. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to think. Cause there's many. Like you saw Josh Jackson, he's bounced around. He he's not good, right? I'm trying to bring up all these different guys, like Martel Fultz. It just didn't work out. Ben Simmons start to derail. Like you see all of these different guys. It's like you either have it or you don't. Like Christian Wood, his first few teams didn't work out till now. It just all depends. Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers was bad on all of his teams until his Denver home, right? So it just really puts in perspective, like, okay, where's he going to go? Same with Kevin Porter Jr. Excuse me. He had a home in Cleveland until he started getting wacky, started getting weird on off-the-court, off-the-court issues. So that's why they departed with him. They didn't want him anymore. He was a headache. So yeah, it just it just all depends on what that on what that team is and who that player is. It just depends, and I can I can keep the list going. I can bring Landry Shaman. I can bring up all these different guys. Seth Curry could be a, a, a could be an okay example. He's a good player, but never filled any of his teams because he's never been Stephen Curry. He will never be that Stephen Curry, right? He'll just be a player that has good games and bad games, is going off games, then like one for 19, right? But yeah, those are just some examples right there. And as we're keeping the list going, let's keep it going. I talked about Ben Simmons, so let's talk about Ben Simmons and trades here. It, it, it seems like a trading type of, uh, type of day. Rumors are flaring up, and this one is featuring the 76ers that this Philly organization is expecting Ben Simmons to play in the upcoming season. That they do not want to force a deal that takes them backwards in the rankings, in the standings, right? And that's significant. Like, why are you making all these high-pricing offers? Because it's, it's the fact that everybody's starting to figure out his true worth. And they're starting to figure out that the only thing that's keeping him alive 
is his defensive abilities. Which are good. Mediocre, right? He's just scared. That's why he's so good at defense. Because he doesn't like going to the basket. So he's trying to force his defender away from the basket. So he doesn't play near the basket. Right? But it's like, it's like one of those things to the point where Philly knew they had to have the right offer. The Rocket, like the Thunder trying to make a good offer. Uh, all these different teams trying to make good offers. The Pistons tried to get involved. Um, you had you had the Trailblazers. You had all these different teams that wanted it, but they just never found that good offer. And I get where they're coming from. But the thing is, to me is Ben Simmons is so worthless that Joel Embiid had to play two positions and try to score for both guys. We had this loud mouth taking all the credit, right? But can Ben Simmons still be the Ben Simmons that we all knew before the All-Star game? I don't know. Because after the All-Star game, he fell apart. But you need a guy that can go more than just the All-Star break. That can go beyond the All-Star break and continue that season. Continue that good season he was having until the All-Star break. And until he was scared in the playoffs. Right? So it's like one of those things. Like I get where Philly's coming from. And it's not a bad move that John Manager Daryl Morey is thinking about. I don't blame him on that. I don't blame him on that at all because it's like, look, if we give up Ben Simmons, what are we really going to get in return? Draft picks? No, we want to win now. Now everything's about rebuilding and saving for the draft picks. And I have to bet that the majority of their offers have been uh, draft pick heavy. I seen they won more players. I seen they just won more players, and I wouldn't blame them if they wanted more players because you need to get something going because you have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, Tyus Harris, Tyus Maxey, Tyus Feibel, and Andre Drummond. Besides that, who else do you have? Really, no one. I would actually trade away Tobias Harris. He's up and down. I would trade away Seth Curry. He's up and down. I would actually trade Danny Green. He's just getting older and really, really bad. Right? He's not aging well. And to me, I would put them in a trade package. But if you put them in a trade package, it has to be like a freeway trade. To get good bulky pieces that could fill within your roster and not actually listen to Doc Rivers as the head coach, right? And I don't think that Ben Simmons will be playing his entire season. I think they're going to try to wait till the trade block. But I think it's also one of the things where they're trying to convince Simmons to say, hey, if you play really well, we can try to get the best suitor, and you raise up your trade stock, your player stock, then it's going to be like, whoa, okay, wait a minute, we need to offer more. They're not going to want to take those offers that we originally gave. He's actually increasing in his talent and his skills, right? And he's actually contributing on the court. And then, boom, by the trade block, you see him leaving, getting all this publicity. And now you see him in a new home. That's how I feel it's going to go. I don't think Ben Simmons can actually do it. But if you're looking off statistics, sure. But if you're actually looking off a of pure playing and actually looking at his draft, at his trade stock now, his contract worth now, he's a bust. He's a first overall bust. And I've talked about him for so many podcast episodes, 
not by choice, but just because I have to, because it was either that or I talk about some two-way player uh, contract announcement, right? And I kind of want to do all of that. But that's where we're at. So Philly's making a smart move. I get that they don't want to force it. And if you have some of a talented player, and he has talent, if he just fix a shot, he'll be fine. If he's less scared and gets more confidence, he'll be fine. He's not a bad defense player. He's actually a good defense player. I'll give credit when credit's due for Ben Simmons. He's a terrible offense player, but at least he has some good defensive attributes, some good defensive uh, traits to his game. And that's the only thing saving him. And all that, all that huge money was wasted on him. But it's also from the perspective like, you gotta get a good suitor. You gotta get a good team that's gonna have the good pieces to trade off. I would actually take CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons. I would try to get uh, someone else uh, because it has to come down who's gonna be your point guard. Because if you trade Ben Simmons, you have Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry as a new uh, one and two point guards. Well, if you get rid of Ben Simmons, you need a new point guard. And point guard creates a team. That's where it starts and ends with the point guard. It starts at the top of the point guard and then comes on down. And it makes a huge, huge difference. And I truly believe that. That's why I worked with Chris Paul. That's why I worked with, excuse me, with different big frees. That's uh, why you had the Miami big free work out so well. Because they had a true point guard. And you had guys facilitate into that role and submit into that role because they wanted to win championships. And they had that mindset. That's why Bosch, Wade, and LeBron worked so well. And you had Ray Allen, who won them a championship off that clutch free after several misses and rebounds, right? It was really epic against the Spurs that forced a game seven. I, I want to say... Oh, was it 24 10? It was somewhere in there. I can't remember. But you guys get where I'm going with that. So, but, okay, overall, smart for Philly. If I'm Philly, I would try to convince them to play. If they're expecting them to play, so I'm like, okay, tell tell Philly fans this. They give Ben Simmons a shot. If I'm in a Philly organization, tell Ben Simmons to play really well Get your draft, uh, trade stock up, and we can get more for you, and you can be at a better team that you would be preferred to go to, right? That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm feeling from this entire rumor and this entire debacle and mental breakdown that Ben Simmons is having with this Philly organization, with this Philadelphia organization. And it's also not, it's also crazy. It's also crazy when talking about point guards, you bring in Kyrie Irving. The Nets in Philly, uh, Nets in 76ers could be rumored to link to a link of trade, right? Could I be surprised? Yes. Would I be surprised? No. But here's the thing about this guess who's a point guard? Kyrie Irving. They trade Ben Simmons and you new point guard. And Kyrie's phenomenally athletic, phenomenally talented. But you wanna know what's crazier? He's gonna pull the old Gronk. He's gonna pull the old Robert Gronkowski. You remember 
when the Patriots tried to train him to the line, he's like, you can't trade me, I'm retired, I'm retired, you can't trade me, and it got the uh, trade got vetoed and whatnot, he went to a mini retirement, came back, blah, 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 but going off that first part, Kyrie Irving, per his agent, was saying that if Kyrie Irving were to get traded from the Brooklyn Nets, then he would just simply retire, because He's figuring to himself, I won a championship. I've won all this money. My head's been in and out, whatnot. I've done all that I can. I can do more, but it's like, if the Nets train me, I don't want to go to a lower team because this big freeze, the best chance I got of another championship or another championship run. And because you have Kevin Durant, you got uh, James Harden, you got um, himself, Kyrie, then you got. Blake Griffin, you got all these different guys, right? They're all coming together. So it's like, okay, you kind of can't sacrifice yourself for a trade, right? And I wouldn't see how Ben Simmons would be better than Kyrie. But with all of those rumors flowing around, with all those predictions, with all those projections, with all those, like, uh, roundabout table talks, it's like, okay, well, this could happen, but... Kyrie's pulling his foot down. He's like, fine, go ahead, trade me. I'll just retire. Why would he care? He would just fill out the form, submit him to the NBA, um, go submit him to the NBA commissioner's room, and call it a day. He would be living off of all the millions of money he made, all those endorsements, all those uh, commercials, all those um, different things that he does. And that would be that. I couldn't see the Nets... Unless they came across a really good offer, I wouldn't even do it for Ben Simmons. But here's the thing. I would never do that because it's like you have this big free wide try to dismantle it after trying for two two to three seasons now, trying to get them together to play more than four games to get right. You want them to have a full healthy season. So why try to dismantle that now? Why not give him a run? I want to try to train him. I would try to say, look, he's untouchable. This whole entire big freeze untouchable. Especially after giving these guys contract extensions. Giving this big free contract extensions. I want to do it. You gave KD uh, money. You gave all these different guys money. So I want to do it. I won't even try to attempt it. It would just be really bad from the front office of that Brooklyn Nets organization. And you would be messing up something in the making because if it wasn't for injuries then that's were looking really good against the Bucks until the injuries right so with all of that being said it's like look you, you sometimes you don't have to force the trade for a kind of big name to big name keep the players you got continue that chemistry continue to let it grow out and if it doesn't turn out to be anything in one or two seasons then maybe try to reposition yourself, to re-engage your perspective on trading Kyrie, trading James Harden, trading Kevin Durant, right? Just throwing out hypotheticals here. But now, I don't think so. I would just leave them as untouchable, but not official untouchable unless something crazy came across your desk. But I would just keep the big free intact and not dismantled because I think Nets need a big free for Steve Nash to be successful as head coach, he needs that big free because somehow 
Those three egos have not clashed together yet and killed each other yet mentally and physically. Um, with that being said, we have our last piece of breaking news that we are going to jump into our new series. And that is this. This is the final piece of breaking news. And that is the NBA is to consider adding an in-season tournament featuring players competing for a million dollars. We've heard about the rumors. We've heard about speculation of the NBA trying to get tricky with it, trying to mix it up, trying to get brand new, trying to get creative with their NBA formatted season. With instead of just having preseason, regular season, postseason, they added a playing tournament. Now they could be adding the um, in-season tournament for players exclusively to win a million dollars. To me, that would be really interesting because why not have something? Even if that had to replace the All-Star break, the All-Star week, like the All-Star game, I would actually be okay with that. It's something new. It's something fresh. I would try the experimental first. Then if it goes off without a hitch and it goes like this crazy thing and everybody's loving it, I say keep it, but I'm on board with that. I would actually replace All-Star week with it. It's just not the same anymore. Dunk contest, it's okay. But we always get the same result. Aaron Gordon gets uh, gets snubbed. Or there's always just a really big blowout in the All-Star game. Like where no one's really trying to put up ridiculous shots. And I get people like that type of game. But not me as such. And then you bring like the skills competition and whatnot. That's pretty cool. But having it switched up. Having something new would be amazing. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But that would be huge for the NBA. On top of the 82-game season, with the playing tournament, with the postseason, I think games will have to be erased. If there's, if you're going to have two tournaments and then the postseason and the preseason, I would actually have to say you're going to have to get that down from 82 to like 62 or 60. And I think that can be manageable because you're still adding in um two uh two tournaments, still a preseason, still with the epic postseason that we've been having the past few years. And there's all these different movie factors, yes, but I think it's time to rev the all star break. Like keep the break by filling in with the tournament, if that makes sense. To me, I think that'd be just something really cool, and I like to know how they'll plan it out, like how they'll strategize that entire thing out. But to me, that would be awesome. Again, this is like a really cool topic, a really cool piece of breaking news. So again, email us, text us at the courtsy heat number slash email, and we will get back to you because we want to hear your opinions. If you don't want to do that, just go into social media. Uh, add us in the comments on a post or anything like that and we will be there to just talk about because this is something really really cool and I'm actually kind of excited about if it falls through right I don't know I don't know about you guys but that's where I'm heading and you know what with that being said let's go into our new series 
Let's go into the brand new thing, the shiniest thing, the brand new car. You're driving off the lot. You're excited. You're pumped up. Adrenaline's going. Maybe not the same feeling for this series, but you get where I'm going. You get where the um, descriptive in- imagery is coming. So, without further ado, let's jump right into our new, our new series, our brand new series, and that is this. The toughest division, the toughest division in the entire NBA, in the Eastern and Western Conference. So, how this will work is this. Each day, we'll be covering one division by breaking down each team and seeing who will be the likely, uh, likeliest to finish on top of their division. So, basically, each day, we'll see who ranked first in the division, and then out of all of the divisions, we'll see who's the best teams. Like who are the best teams to finish number one and what their probable chances are to win number the first overall seed in their respective conferences. I saw I thought that'd be pretty cool because we're a month and three or some odd days away from the NBA regular season. And we need to break down these divisions because some divisions are stacked, some are not, some are evenly played out, some are perfect, some are really good. And the first one we're going to kick off is the Pacific Division, and that is featuring no other but your Phoenix Suns. Or my Phoenix Suns, unless you're a Nuggets fan and you saw the Suns and four guy beat down one of your fans. I apologize for that being absolutely epic and humiliating for those two fans. Um, But you have the Phoenix Suns, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Kings in the Pacific Division. At one point, the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings were one of the most embarrassing organizations, franchises in that division. Now it's just the Kings. Like, if you really think about it, Phoenix getting stronger, Clippers getting stronger, Lakers signed everybody in the free world, so they're awfully getting stronger. And then you got the Warriors getting stronger by getting back uh, Clay Thompson and adding new pieces, getting James Wiseman back. But then you go to the Kings, who have not been relevant since who knows when. Like, who really knows when? Like, if you really think about it, the Kings. Buddy Heal's a head case. Like, I know I use that word a lot, but he's just filled with drama. Like, oh, he's not going to respond back to an organization that's paying uh, over $60 million. Oh, I guess you can't return to a phone call from your head coach. But yeah, you got Darren Fox, Buddy Heal, Tyrese Halburn, Davon Mitchell, Tristan Thompson, Marvin Bagley. And Richon Holmes and Harrison Barnes. This I'm going to start with this team first. They're the weakest team in the Pacific uh, Division. Why? Marvin Bagley, the third, is not that good. You may say, well, he's averaging 14 points per game, and he's been doing that consistently for each season, uh, for each of the three seasons that he was here in Sacramento. Um, he's also became one of the biggest busts. People regard him as the second overall pick in the 2018 draft that should have never been. Why? 
because the Kings drafted wrong. They just drafted wrong. Marvin Bagley Jr. has not turned out to be the guy everyone saw he was going to be. You could have had Luka Doncic instead of Marvin Bagley. You could have Trey Young. You could have Kevin. You could have Colin Sexton. You could have Mikael Bridges. You could have had Shea Gilchrist Alexander. You could have had Dante DiVincenzo out of all the players. You could even had Chandler Hudson. He he's a bum, but still, you get where I'm going with. You had Jaron Jackson Jr. Like when I'm looking at this, it's like. It's kind of sad. You could have been something huge with a huge name like, oh, Luka Doncic. Oh, wait a minute. We got Luka Doncic, Buddy Heal, and De'Aaron Fox. Sign me up for that. Like, Luka Doncic is a walking bucket, but you chose Marvin Bagley. The, now, the Dukey, he was good. The Duke player, he was good at Duke. But the general fun, unless you're Jason Tatum... All Duke players don't really do well in the NBA. Like a handful of guys, like a selected handful of guys, will make it past the treacherous demons that are within the Duke um, school, right? But it's time after time. Duke guys just do not last long in their bodies or their play. That's being shown to Marvin Bagley. I get it. We can talk about... Um, we can talk about... Oh, well, he was great in college. Oh, well, he was great. He's averaging 14 points a game. But nothing's like, that's just stuffing like the stats. It's actually not contributing to that team winning. Darren Fox is good. Like, he's not bad. Like, it's just not bad. And he come like, what, like how do I want to say this? But the Sacramento Kings are missing tons of players. Buddy Heald is not bad, but still, it's not translating. I'm looking at his stats right now, and this past year was one of his worst years in his career. Because 2019 was 19 points. 2018 was 20 points. 2017 was 13. So he had a bit of a drop. But he did top uh, assist and rebounds between .1 and .6, right? But you guys get where I'm going. But overall, when were the Sacramento Kings ever on top? Like, they've never been relevant. Like, sometimes they'll have good games. I feel bad for Luke Walton. Because Luke Walton has been that head coach for a while now. Since 2019. And he could actually be on the hot seat if they don't do anything in his next year. I don't know what his contract is. I'm looking at it up now. But at some point. He's, yeah, he still has two years remaining on his contract worth $11.5 million. So, it gets interesting. It gets really, really interesting. And where do you go from there? Like, where do you really go from there? Because the Sacramento Kings are just lost. And in this, in this division against the Warriors, like, they're stacked. Against the Lakers, they're stacked. The Phoenix Suns, they're building a good core. They're building a good chemistry-filled team and knows how to knock your teeth out. They're building all, they're like all these different teams are building. It's the Clippers. Like, those four teams out alone can kill you 10 out of 10 times unless all of your guys are injured and you're playing with just 
um, Landry Shaman on your team, then fine, you will be able to beat him by a few points. But you guys get where I'm going with this. You guys get where I'm going. Because I'm trying to look up their record. I'm trying to look it up. They, they weren't good. They were 31-41 in the 2020 season. In 2019 season, 31-41. Uh, 2018 season, 39-43. 2017, 27-55. 2016, 32-50. 2015, 33-49. 2014, 29-53. Let you guys get where I'm going. The last time they had a winning record was back in 2004. I'm sorry, 2005 when they were 44 and 38. But the last time they had a 50 win season was 2004, and that's just going to recent memory. The last time they had a 60 win season was 2001. I'm just saying, that's crazy. Like Sacramento, even when they were the Kansas City Omaha Kings, were not good. They had one good season. That was it. Even when they were the Cincinnati Royals, they had like a f- like a few good seasons in there, but that was it. The Kings were just never that good. And now, as stacked as this division is, just the Pacific Division, just alone, just that, the Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers, and the Golden State Warriors. Come on, like my goodness. All in California are the Clippers, Lakers, um, Warriors, and Kings. I'm just saying, between those four four California teams, no one thinks of the Clippers. I mean, no one thinks of the Kings. The Sacramento Kings are actually an embarrassment. I've never once uh, seen someone on social media from California, or even in real life, it's like, look, guys, I'm in California, and my home team, my team of the state, is the Kings. No, you would say the Warriors. Especially from 2014 to 18. You would say the Lakers. When they won a championship in 2020. Or just when they went in the Kobe years. The Shaq and Kobe years. Or the Magic Johnson years. The Kareem Abdul-Jabbar years. Or, or anything else like the Jerry West years, right? Or you would say the Clippers. When now there there were the Clippers, like um, oh boy, but the Clippers have been stronger these past two seasons. They're getting stronger, um, especially with um, Tom Lue at the helm, especially with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, used to be Patrick Beverly, Terrence Mann was there. Then still is there. Then you add in Eric Bledsoe. Like, they added Eric Bledsoe. I'm just saying you see the Golden State Warriors. You see the Lakers, what they're doing. You see what the Phoenix Suns are doing. Sure, the Phoenix Suns are laughing stocks, but not into the 2019 NBA bubble or 2020 NBA bubble. Ever since the 2019 NBA season and the first year of the president, Monty Williams, as head coach, taking charge at the helm, and James Johnson as their general manager. My goodness, Phoenix have been turned around. Now, our biggest laughing stock is the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the Coyotes are so bad, 
Glendale didn't even want him anymore because, A, they don't know how to pay their own bills and they actually don't have to make them enough money to pay their bills. B, nobody cares about them. C, they don't have enough big enough fan base for anybody to even care about them or even a winning record or any record for that point. And name one player off the Coyotes that's actually good. No one. That's what you like to call Dark Ages right there. That is legit pain. And I feel bad that I have to live in the same state as the Coyotes. Right? So it's like, that's this is a tough division for the Sacramento Kings. Then we get down to the Warriors. The Warriors are the Warriors. Especially if when they're going to be healthy. If such when they're going to be healthy. Clay Thompson's coming back. So you're going to have Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Otto Porter Jr., James Wiseman, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Moses Moody. My goodness. Uh, you have Andre Iguodala, right? Then you have Damian Lee, Kevin Looney, John Poole. Like you see where I'm going with this. They're starting five and benches getting loaded. Starting five stacked. A bench is getting loaded. Andre Udall is on the bench, and he's making sure that there's enough veteran presence. You see Kevin Looney, he made good. He had some good moments. Damian Lee hit some clutch free throws to win a game. Then you add in Moses Moody, who's going to be terrific for the bench and for the Warriors this season, the upcoming seasons. I think he's going to be one of the uh, one of the most good, like he's gonna be a good player coming out of this past year's draft. You have Andrew Wiggins coming off a good season, like for him, eighteen points was huge for him because he was going off some nights. And he did that in seventy one games, which is huge. I couldn't believe that. Then you add in Otto Porter Jr. to the mix, a huge body. James Wiseman, that's huge. Draymond Green. Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, my goodness, that's lethal shooters. Those are strong defenders. Those are veteran minds, and they're in a mindset of win now, kill now, and strike now, and have no mercy now. Like, they're doing everything in the present, not past, not future, but present. This is present tense. These are present tense verbs happening right here. This is not past. This is not future tense. This is present. They're ready to win. They're ready. Clay Thompson has been waiting for two years now. He sat through three NBA finals while he was rehabbing. He's ready, my goodness. These guys are ready to strike. Like, take the Kings again. The Kings would die by this team. The only reason why they're not killed yet is because this team's merciful. And the point that They've been dealing with injuries. But besides that, this team's going to die. Like, whoever goes up against this team is going to die. Unless you're the Phoenix Suns and you're fine. But you get my point. You get my point. If you have a healthy team, Steph's ankles and wrists seem okay. Clay Thompson's knees seem okay. Andre Godal, he's getting older. That's fine. He's a fine. Veteran presence. Veteran mindset. Veteran mentality win now. A Draymond Green, 
He's physical. He's a defensive player. He'll get you in your face. He's like a mini Patrick Beverly. And that's a huge comment. Unless you're going up against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, James Wiseman. He's coming into his second, right? Second year? Yeah, he's coming into his second year. Looking to get more than 11.5 points per game. Looking to get more than 6 rebounds per game. He's looking to be more of a factor. Try to create his own identity in the league. And then on this roster, Otto Porter Jr. is coming in from Orlando and Chicago. And he's going to try to put up more uh, more points than 8. He's going to try to get between 8 and 10 points. He's going to try to get between 4 and 7 rebounds per game. Try to average at least 1 to 2 assists per game. But ultimately be the big body that that team needs. They need more help defensively. And that's what Otto Porter Jr. can be. He may not be the third overall pick in the 2013 draft everyone was looking forward to, but he's still a good defensive body. He still has good defensive techniques, strategies, same with offense. Offense is more lacking the defense, but defense makes up for the offense. I'm just saying, and then if you have another good year out of Andrew Wiggins, these are, this is a team of lethal shooters of good defenders of bodies being used and their bench is being loaded and ready to fire, Damian Lee should not be taken for granted. Devin, Devin, uh, David Mitchell is going to be a rookie explosive. Same with um, Moses Moody, if given the possibility, given the opportunity, given the chance. I'm telling you, don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on these guys. This team's going to come and fire hot. They're not going to make the playing tournament like last year. They're going to make the playoffs. So, so far, Sacramento, no playoffs. Going to have an early losing record. This is going to be a team with a winning record. And it's going to have a team in the playoffs. Then if you go down to the Lakers, my goodness, the Lakers. Like, I'm already saying this. I'm just, I'm just saying this. This is going to be insane. I haven't got to the Suns yet. Like, I don't even know who would be number one on here. I, I can't. Who would be number one so far? That's undetermined, as I'm just going for this. But you have LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Davis, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, Malik Monk, Rajon Rondo, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, THT, Kent Bazemore, Wesley Matthews and Joey Ayi. It's not a bad bench right there. But here we go. Their starting five is lit up. They have a good point guard in Russell Westbrook. They have a dominant shooting guard in LeBron James. They have a good power forward in Anthony Davis when healthy. Kamal Anthony, he's a good shooter, a, a huge body. To work with that's going to be able to provide spacing and you and blocking up those holes those gaps on the court when covering his man and able to see the court right DeAndre Jordan he's gone out for he's good in exchange for Andre Drummond he averaged seven points with seven rebounds 76 percent from the field in 21 minutes and 57 games for Brooklyn. That's not bad at all, especially for him. 
Those are going to be solid minutes. It's going to be solid minutes for the uh, former for, uh, second round 35th overall pick in the 2008 draft. This is this is going to be a team with tons of talent. Malik Mond's going to be good. LeBron's going to be good. Westbrook's going to be good. Davis is going to be good. Jordan's going to be good. Howard's going to be a great body. A great, great body where he's coming off the bench or not. Or he's going to start like minutes or at least 20 minutes per game. 15 minutes per game. I can't speak highly of this team. Whether egos are going to fizzle out or not, who knows? I've talked about that before on our past series. But number one thing is this. Number one thing is this. The Lakers on pen and paper are looking solid and look like they're like lethal hunters on defense and lethal shooters on offense. It's just insane. It's just insane of all the firepower they put packed. All of the loaded cannons they're ready to have on bench. So now when you come out, you don't have this sorry bench coming in. So when starters come out, good bench comes in. Not sorry bench, but good bench. I'm telling you, Malik Mon's going to make a difference. Trent Kendrick Nunn, he's a throwaway piece, but some of a body. Rajon Rondo, he's going to be interesting. Um, Wayne Ellington, he's going to be interesting on the bench. Same with Trevor, Trevor Reza. Same with Howard. Same with Bazemore. Same with Matthews. Same with Brown. Same with a, a, with a, a Jai. I'm sorry, I pronounced your name wrong. But you get where I'm coming from. That's also, like, going into our third uh, California team, that beats out the Sacramento Kings. And that would make a really good head-to-head against the Lakers. I mean, sorry, against the Golden State Warriors. So that is something to really keep an eye out on. I'm not kidding. And then you come down to the Clippers. The Clippers are interesting. The Clippers are very, very interesting for many reasons. But you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Serge Ibaka, Luke Kennard, Ivan Zubak, Eric Bledsoe, Justin Lind, Justice Winslow, uh, Brandon Boston, Jason Preston, which is not going to be a bad rookie, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson's our point guard. He's proven to be huge in his shooting and passing, his accuracy, his pinpoint knowledge on the court. But then you see Kawhi. Now, it's going to be interesting. Kawhi's not going to be back for the start of the season because he torn his ACL during the Western Conference Finals against the Phoenix Suns, if anybody remembers that. So he's not going to be back for the start of the season. He's going to miss at least two to three months into the season, maybe like two, at, uh, two maybe at the max. I don't know. But it's going to give that wiggle room of two to three months after the season begins. I'm just going to state that. Paul George, he started to get back his uh, playoff P. Like Paul 13 George, he was starting to get back that PG-13 mentality. He's starting to get that back. He was starting to feel his rhythm again, his groove. He's he's not looking to slow down. He's looking to get back to original form. The f- oh, uh, former 10th overall pick in the 2010 draft, is ready to have another 23-point season, another 6-5 and five, 
uh, assistant rebound type season. He's ready. Terrence Mann proven to be crucial in those postseason games, especially against the Phoenix Suns, especially when they were down against the against the Mavericks, against their other opponents. Do not sleep on him. Serge Ibaka, he's come back from surgery, but he's going to be ready. That power forward is going to be ready. Marcus Morris, he's not going to be bad. He's a, he's a gritty, gutty player. That's what you need. It's just loading up the tank defensively. It's loading up those rebound machines. Just load them up. The shooting's good. The rebounding's good. The passing's on point of Reggie Jackson. Luke Kennard is a three-point hunter, and he will get that down packed. Ivic Zubak is not bad. He's not a bad center. You would need him. He's your main center. Nicholas Bottom is not bad. Eric Bledsoe comes in. It's also not bad. Backing up Reggie Jackson, that's my opinion. It's going to be very, very good. He gets a reunion with the Clippers. The Rich Dottina drafted him um, uh, around a decade ago or somewhere around there. Then you see Brandon Boston Jr. He's not going to be bad. He was just drafted with the 51st pick in the second round. I could see him getting a few points off the bench per game. Justice Winslow is not going to be bad. Jason Preston's not going to be bad. Keon Johnson's not going to be bad. Jay Scrubs not going to be bad. Amari Coffey's not going to be bad. Those are all guys right there that's going to average a few points and maybe like one or two rebounds and or assists per game. That would just buy starters some time and allow some good rotational minutes and some good playing time for those rookies and or first and second year players, right? And then now, transition to our final team, which are the Phoenix Suns. You have Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayn, Mikel Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne, Dario Sarjic, JaVale McGee, Jalen Johnson, I mean, sorry, Jalen Smith, Frank Tankaminsky, and Landry Sh- uh, Shaman, Alfred Payne, and Charles Hutchinson. And Abdel Nadir. Oh my gosh, I just listed off your entire roster. Okay. But Devin Booker was solid. He has that mini mama mentality. That's what he was given. He was given that B legendary status. He was there. He was ready. He was ready to make an impact. And he was. It, it just. Yeah, it was just. It, it was huge. He averaged 25 points a game. He averaged 25 points a game, four rebounds and four assists. And then Chris Paul, he averaged 20, I'm sorry, 16 points per game and nine rebounds per game, nine assists per game. DeAndre Ayn was growing into his role, showing that he's worth the money, showing that he's worth some cash, that he's worth minutes, that he's worth that team's energy and focus as their main center. The reason why he was chosen and by the first overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft, he averaged 14 points and 10 rebounds, double-doubles each game, 62% from the field. He averaged about one and a half assists per game, but he was a huge body, defensively breaking down guys, being a rim protector, Making sure that they're not that no one's getting past him. He, even though he had tough assignments, he locked down Jokic nicely. He locked down Embiid nicely. He locked down Giannis 
okay-ish for for the most part. It it was just huge. He did things that some big guys can't do. Mikel Bridge is going to be good. The former 10th overall pick averaged 13, 13 half points and four rebounds and two assists. He was lights out when you need him to be. He was the guy who was getting you back to the game with free pointers, with layups, with dunks, with all these different things. Then Cameron Johnson had a breakout season, averaging nine points, three rebounds, and two assists off of 24 minutes. You may laugh at those numbers, but he was very crucial in some of those playoff games, especially, excuse me, especially in game six of the NBA Finals um, in game five. Even though it ended in six, he still did a very good job in those six games. And he's proven to be a true player to his team. A true chemistry artist. A true player that's devoted to his team. And then you come down. The Jay Crowder. The big man that's knocking down freeze everywhere. He averaged 10 points per game, 40 rebounds, and 2 assists. He's that gritty-gutty guy. He'll knock down those freeze. He was lights out, on fire for some of those postseason games. Even in the NBA Finals, even during the regular season, he's that type of guy. He's bringing that firepower, that energy. And then you see Cameron Payne. Even though he's out of control sometimes, he did light it up. He had eight points, two assists, and three rebounds um, in 18 minutes. That's not bad. That's not bad. And you may be saying, like, why pay him all that money? Backup point guard, get the band back together, but he's getting under control now by the advice of Chris Paul. Under the guidance of Chris Paul, he's becoming a better shooter. He's becoming more relaxed, more chill in the way he dribbles and the way he calculates a pass, calculates his shot. He's hit some clutch buckets. He's made sure that he was there in big-time situations. He earned the contract for being... Some bum just given a one-year opportunity by the Phoenix Suns in the NBA bubble to impressing them to go into a huge national level on the NBA Finals to perform good. That's a huge task to ask from someone, a difficult one. He was able to accomplish it. And then Darius Sarjic, he's going to be a great body. If he did not tear his ACL in game one of the NBA Finals, it would have been interesting to see because when DeAndre Ayn needed some breathers, when he needed to catch his breath, um, when when he was out and whatnot, Darius Sarchuk would have been great. And the same goes with Frank Tankaminsky. Those guys would have been great. Frank, not so much, but Sarchuk, I'm pretty sure. I'm also wanting to see what Jalen Smith can do. I want to see what the former 10th overall pick in the 2020 draft can do. He averaged five points in two minutes and one rebound and .1 assists per game. I want to see what he can do. I want to see what he has to offer. Because I think he can grow into that rotational bench player. That player that can make good decisions. That player that will get rebounds. Will be a rebound machine. I think we should see more minutes out of him. I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged 10 minutes per game this season. Or at least 7 minutes per game this season. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And now finally... The player I'm excited about, the JaVale McGee pick. The points and his statistics may be underwhelming, but this is a player who's going to be a great body 
when DeAndre Ayton needs a breather, that he could come in, he could take down uh, Giannis in the post. Same with Embiid, same with Jokic, same with Aaron Gordon, same with all of these different guys, same with LeBron, same with Anthony Davis, same with majority of all these NBA players. He's proven that. And in those six minutes of his energy against the Phoenix Suns, when it could not matter any less, when everybody knew the Phoenix Suns were going to win, when he got onto that court, he was hustling up and down the court. Devin Booker and Chris Paul reached out to him. They're like, we need you. We want you on this team. Let's try to connect. They came down to this. That's huge recruiting moments by Chris Paul. Chris Paul was setting it up even on the court. They were getting things in motion because they knew his talent as a defensive player, a rebounder, a hustler, an energizer, a motivator, an encourager, a guy in the locker room that sparks momentum, that sparks passion. That is going to be huge. I'm telling you that. It's going to be huge. And you do not want to miss it. You just do not want to miss it. Or those are the players to look out for. That's the Phoenix Suns roster. And overall, I broke down all the teams in the Pacific Division. And who would be taking the icing on the cake? Who would be topping everything? Who would win that division? Uh, now, team by team as a whole, their statistics. Let's go off the records real quick. The Suns, and I'm just going off of this uh, off of this division. We're first with 51 wins and 21 losses. Clippers were second with 47 wins and 25 losses. The Lakers were third with 42 wins and 30 losses. The Warriors were 39 and 33. And the Sacramento Kings were fifth, no shocker there, with 31 and 41 as their record. Not bad. And the and the uh, Suns had the best home record and away record with 27 and 9 home, 24 12 away. They were also the best in the conference, 30 and 12. They averaged more points than anyone else which was one more point than the Clippers, which was 115. Um, they had, had, they had um, not a bad last uh, 10 games. They were 7-3. The Warriors were 8-2, but advanced more in the postseason. I don't, I don't know who I would give it to, though, because the Lakers and, are going to be more stacked are going to be more fiery than they were this past season, especially when not dealing with injuries. And then you see the Warriors. The Warriors are also going to be something interesting because they're not going to be the same like they were last year. They're not going to be in the playing tournament unless injuries happen. They're going to be ready. That team's going to be explosive. Mark my words. So they're not going to end 39 and 33, especially if they're going to full 82 games. They're going to try to strategize. They're going to plan us out strategically to the point where, look, this is where we can uh, minimize injuries and maximize potential and talents and force. So I actually can see them having a 50-game season. What scares me about the Phoenix Suns is this. The Sacramento Kings are always going to end in fifth place. But in this division, since I'm focused on that, they only, add, they only added JaVale McGee, Alfred Payne and uh, one other guy, right? One or two other guys. But that's not good. 
perspective of I get that they resign everyone, which is huge. That's huge that they signed with Chris Paul. Resign Chris Paul, resign Karen Payne, all those different guys. That was huge. Resign and freak the tank. I get it, cap space was very tight. But also, it's like when you look at his conf- uh, division and the conference as a whole, but a division right now, uh, how many players were added by the Lakers, by the Warriors, by the Clippers? They were all getting stronger. The Clippers only had one new player and a guy rid of free. Rajon Rana, Lakers. Um, even though he was traded, Conjure Bow from the Grizzlies going over to the Lakers. Then you saw uh, Hernan Gomez. He got traded, right? Then you see uh, Patrick Beverly get traded twice in three days. He's over by the Timberwolves. So ultimately, they got Eric Bledsoe for the price of free players by looking at it that way, which pretty much all that happened. Um, so I'm not worried about the Clippers. Lakers and Warriors. Lakers also don't scare me for the old sons. Why? I actually think egos are going to get in the way. I think those old bodies, those guys are going to have to take some more games off. Load management is going to come into effect. I think those guys will fizzle out. I think you'll see stagnant plays, more, uh, more anger moments than anything. I think you'll see Russell Westbrook actually be a non-factor in the second half of the season when he's upset, when things are not going the Lakers' way in the crunch time, right? I don't see Russell Westbrook a crunch time player. He'll never be in my eyes. But what he is in my eyes and what he actually is is two, two totally different uh, things and whatnot. However, I will say to this, the team is ready in this, in the, I think the Suns can hold their ground against the Lakers and the Warriors. Warriors going to be more challenging than the Lakers against the Suns. That's just my opinion. But overall, like overall, who's going to be the winner? It's not going to be the Kings. It's not going to be the Clippers. It's not going to be the Lakers. It's not going to be the Warriors, but it's going to be the Phoenix Suns. I really do believe... At the end of the day, the Pacific Division, not because of biasy, but because I think the Suns will just hold out more. I think the race for first place will be Phoenix and Golden State. And maybe Golden State will edge them or completely smoke them. Or maybe the Phoenix Suns will edge them, win by them a few games, or smoke them, right? But that's my feeling on it. That's how I feel about it. Because... You have these two good teams. I think Eagles are going to fizz out, fizzle out. I think those Lake uh, Clippers are not going to have enough firepower while uh, while Kawhi's down. Not the Sacramento Kings. They should just disband that entire team now before they get humiliated for another season since two thousand four. Right when they actually had some good players and actually had some good wins and whatnot. Right. That's how I see. So the race for first place is going to be between Golden State and Phoenix, but ultimately taken by Phoenix. But I wouldn't be shocked if Golden State Warriors also took it. But right now, that is that. That's who I think is going to be winning the Pacific Division. Next tomorrow, which will be Friday, we'll check out the Southwest Division, 
which is featuring Dallas, Memphis, San Antonio, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, and Houston. We've talked about Houston through breaking news. We've talked about all these different teams through breaking news. We, we talk about the Pelicans a lot and the situation featuring uh, Zion Williamson. But now it's time. We're going to talk about the Southwest tomorrow. Don't miss it. We'll be back here again. That was the Pacific Division. This was a fire one. We talked about everything in this hour 30. It was great being back in this podcast, uh, in our podcasting studio. It was nice getting back out to court to heat, the podcast edition. This was huge. I'm happy we were able to keep things rolling. And without further ado, that is that. And I think we covered everything. We're back here in the studio. Vacation's over. Work's about to come back in. We may even come out with a Sunday edition, a Sunday special. Why? Because we can and because we should. Not because of the time that we took off. Just because me covering the Pacific Division. Not because this is like one of the easiest uh, divisions to cover. Just because of my vast knowledge, my fun knowledge of the Phoenix Suns. And just how much I like the Warriors and some of the Lakers. Or how much I really do hate the Kings and Clippers. But just because it's really cool. Plus, it's not that bad as things go. So, I'm happy I did Pacific and I'm Division. I'm happy that I've actually chosen a series. I actually came up with this one. I don't know how I came up with this series. Anyways, either way, it works. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. As I'm going to come back here. We have so many more divisions. We have one, two, three, four, five, uh, six. Oh, wait, wait, oh, 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 I, I messed up. Hold on. Uh, six, seven, eight. Wait. Oh, okay. One, two, three, four, five more divisions left. That's going to be huge. Obviously, I can't count. That's all right. We have five more divisions after this, five more podcast episodes until we get to the final one. Yes, the final one, which is pretty much out of all of these teams, who will win in each of their conferences? That's going to be the huge question, and we're going to kick it back up with another podcast episode. So we're going to wrap that one up pretty much around Wednesday, Thursday, depending if we do the Sunday special or not. I'll let you guys know on social media about that. Of course, I'll let you guys know on the podcast. Remember, you know where to find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You also can find us on Twitter.com slash CourtsAheat, Instagram.com slash CourtsAheatNBA. That's CourtsAheatNBA for Instagram. And then also, you can find us on Google.com. By searching Courtside Heat, one word, Courtside Heat, that will bring up all of our shops, all of our social media links, all of our websites. That will bring up everything you need to know about the NBA, about us, and just keeping up to date with the wild, crazy, exciting ride we're having before this season actually tips off. We'll be covering it all. We'll be back here. And until then, I'll see you guys on the next podcast episode. Until then, Suns win, Kings, just disband already.